Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be together here online as the Bridgewater family. And as you're tuning in, we're in week three of our series called Family Matters. It's been great so far. Every few years, we need to come back as a church and really as families and talk about what does it mean to uh, become a family that God can bless. And we've had a great journey so far. Today, I'm excited to talk about uh, kids and their parents. In fact, the name of the message, Raising Awesome Kids in an Awful World. Now, who would disagree with that? We live in a difficult world today. But God has incredible plans for every parent and their children. In fact, do you mind if I read a couple of cute things from kids and what they say to their, their moms and dads? Here's the first one. This morning, my wife told my three-year-old daughter that owls were nocturnal. My daughter responded, yes, owls are not turtles. <laughs> uh, this is great. Listen to this. Overheard in a first-grade classroom. Well, when my mom and dad practice wrestling, I get to eat a whole bowl of ice cream and watch whatever movie I want. Wrestling. We'll just leave that alone. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I try to make it a point to talk, take about 10 minutes at the end of each evening to help my daughter straighten up her room. After a particularly rough day, I sat down on the floor of her room to help her sort through her dolls, and I tiredly said, I really don't have the juice for this tonight. My daughter left the room and returned a few minutes later with a cup of, of apple juice for me. Here's another one. I was on the phone with my wife discussing dinner plans, and my seven-year-old said repulsively, Salad is ruining my life. And can I give you one more? Six-year-old son. Dad, can we get a cat? Dad, your mom is allergic to cats, so no. Six-year-old son. When mom dies, can we get a cat? Dad, sure. I, I just hope you're laughing with me this morning because... These are some really hilarious things, cute things kids say, and that's true in all of our lives. Where would we be without our children? But I have to be honest and tell you that I have concerns as a pastor. I have concerns as a father about children today in the world that we live in. I, I want to take a minute just to say to you that... Now more than ever, parents, grandparents, uh, anybody that's helping to raise healthy kids, we need to really take a step back 
and think about what is healthy for our children and not what is woke or what is culturally acceptable. I was reading through some statistics and I want to give you the top 11 issues facing our kids today and actually I'm sure there are more. But listen to these statistics. Depression. 17% of American teenagers will experience depression before reaching adulthood. Bullying. In 2019, 22% of teens say they've experienced bullying publicly, especially through cyberbullying. Addictions. 8% of teens, 12 through 17 years old, will use drugs, have used drugs in the last month. Listen to this. By the time kids are in 12th grade, 47% have tried unlawful drugs and 61% have abused alcohol. Sex. 34% of high school students are engaged in sexual intercourse. Social media. Kids spend five to six hours per day on their social media accounts. Violence. Each day... 12 young people are victims of homicide and 1,400 young people are treated daily in the ER for assault-related injuries. Number seven, materialism. The average American household credit card debt is $7,000. The average cost to raise a child, are you ready? Are you buckled up? $288,094 or about $16,000 per year. Obesity. 22% of American children are obese. Kids are spending more time inside on gadgets and less time outside playing. Number nine, education. In 2020, 2 million teens ages 16 to 24 were school dropouts. The average college, college debt is almost $30,000 per student. Poverty. 11 million children are considered in poverty in the U.S. And number 11, our last one, national pride. Think about this. Only 16% of youth surveyed are proud to be Americans. When I look at these statistics, I ask the question, how do you raise awesome kids in an awful world? How do we begin to change the mindset? What do we do? A couple of things that I think are worth saying this morning. Regardless of what you think you've done right or wrong as a parent or someone helping to raise healthy kids, I want you to know that if you've refused to give in or give up, I want to thank you. You don't hear it often enough. But I want to thank you for not giving up or giving in. I want to say, keep at it. Because your children, and they don't even realize this yet, they're counting on you. But I want you to hear something else too this morning. No parent is perfect. Let's have another No Guilt Sunday. Let's go back and into the archives of blessings and say, thank you, God, for how far you brought us. 
But let's start right now today and make a new commitment to be the best caregivers of these children that are placed in our lives. Let's decide to do what, are you ready for this? Let's do what pleases God. I was talking to a construction worker just in the last few days. Nicest guy. We didn't know each other. We just talked for a few minutes and he said to me, you know, Pastor, he said, I can tell you what's wrong with the world today. I said, what is it? He said, we've taken God out of everything. Families, we have a choice. We are free in this country to make the choice to put God at the center of our families. Will you make that choice? And I want to help you. I'm going to give you two essential biblical insights that have worked for decades. I, I want to help us raise great kids. And this doesn't leave anybody out. This is grandparents, aunts, uncles. Th these are friends who help watch children. This is about helping our kids become the best that they can be. And I'm going to give you two insights with a lot of information and a lot of scripture. So let's dig in. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 are really the, the it, it's really the great place to start to talk about how to raise kids in a way that God can bless. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Here's our first essential insight. Parents must be intentionally consistent. Parents must be intentionally consistent. We just read the teaching of Moses. He's talking to the Israelites as they are on their journey to the promised land. And he, he stops, he presses pause, he says, let's Let's decide right now to understand what's important about raising children, no matter what their age. He specifically, of course, is talking to parents with small children. And he's really saying, in essence, there is only one God, and he is worthy of our allegiance, heart, mind, and soul. Now, Moses commands the Israelites, and he's talking to us, love the Lord your God. It must be an extreme love, a love where we give everything to God first. Parents, you and I can only be the kind of leaders our children need when we're sold out to God first. 
And Moses realizes something as he writes these unforgettable words. We must be intention, intentional. Intentionality must be consistently, now listen to this, it has to be taught, but most often it's caught. Loving God and obeying God has to be our top priority. And Moses instructs parents to do two things well. Are you ready? Parents must communicate constantly. Now, there was a survey done. And in that survey, 40% of parents report that a conversation with their child lasts less than 10 minutes. And 82% of parents feel their children avoid talking to them. Now, I'm just kind of chuckling here because we've all raised teenagers. Uh, not all of us, some of us. I, I'm talking to a, a lot of parents this morning that are still raising their kids, and maybe you haven't even hit the teenage stage yet. We all go through periods in our lives where our kids don't really want to talk to us. We're not cool. Uh, we're going to Tell them to do something they don't want to do. But I want you to hear what I'm going to say. It takes intentional and consistent work to communicate with our children. More than ever before. I have questions for you this morning. Do you allow phones to be at the table? Parents, do you say no to your kids' phones, but you bring a phone, you answer a phone? Now, you may be thinking, phones uh, have been around a long time. It's always been the same. I, I can tell you there is some truth to that because when we owned a phone, it was hooked to an answering machine. And I can remember one night when I started to get up to answer the phone as a pastor on call. And I can remember my son Matt looked at me and he said, Dad, don't answer it. Let the machine get it. And you know what? I realized something. That wasn't Matt speaking to me. That was God speaking to me. Are you telling your children, put their phones down? Are you putting your phone down? It's a huge need today. Why? Because we need to take those moments to communicate constantly with our kids. In fact, one of the best ways to do that is when your kids are in the car, especially as they're getting older, into preteen and teens. Have you ever told them to take out their earbuds, put their phones down, and are you ready for this? No radio. Well, what are we going to do, pastor? How about talk to each other? Moses was clear. It's an undeniable truth. He said, talk to your children every day, all day, when you walk, when you sit, when you get up, when it's bedtime, talk to your children. Make it a priority. Here's another thing he says. Parents must recall visually. Now, specifically, he says, tie and bind the commandments and blessings of God as symbols on our body 
Literally, he said to the Israelites, tie them around your necks. He's talking about something called a a phylactery. I'll try that again. Can we do it together? Phylacteries were small metal or wooden boxes strapped to the forehead or arm. It was tied around the neck and enclosed were passages of God's Word. Specifically, what Moses is teaching us today, introduce the Word of God into your families. Read it together. Talk about it. I remember great conversations with my children as they got older and they were asking about God, and we would talk about the things of God. His scripture, his word. We would relate life questions to what God says in the Bible. But I also want to add another dimension to this. Create memories with your children that specifically help them understand how God is working in their lives. At our house, sports, music, movies, all of those things were a part of our lives. We had family nights every Friday night. We ate pizza. We played games. And what I want to say to everyone that's listening to this this morning, what we do right now, today, are the memories that our children will build on. You're teaching your children a foundational a way of life. What's going to be the most important things in their lives are often what are the most important things in our lives. And I need to say this, and oftentimes where things are missing in a child's life, they fill it with other things as they get older. Parents must recall visually The power of God. And I want to stop here and I want to say this. If you are a child that was raised in a dysfunctional family, you are a victim of circumstances, there were struggles, please do not just look at someone and say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does. It does. But instead of sweeping it under the rug, let's pull it out into the light. Let's decide to put God first in our families And live in a way that God can bless. Moses is right. Parents must be intentionally consistent. We must communicate constantly and recall visually. But I want to take you to another passage of Scripture as the foundation of our second insight on how to raise awesome kids in an awful world. Proverbs 29, 17. It's short but powerful. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Wow. I hope you have your waders on. We're in deep, deep water right here, right? Here's the second insight. Just say it there at home, or if you're listening on the podcast in the car, here it is. Parents must discipline daringly. Say it again. Parents must discipline daringly. And when I talk about parents, I'm talking about caregivers to kids. A lot of grandparents are helping to raise their children. Uh, Aunts, uncles, foster care, adopted parents. 
All of us are in this same category. And what I want us to understand is uh, there's a key word here, the word discipline. In the scriptures, the word discipline in its Hebrew meaning means to correct. It means that we are to correct the actions and behavior of children. Now, let me stop here and say, parents, oftentimes we don't correct behavior in our children that we don't want to correct in ourselves. Anybody uh, chuckling yet? Anybody got a smile in their face? There's a lot of times that we don't want to correct the behavior in a child that should be corrected because we don't want to correct ourselves. We don't want to change. But literally, the word discipline uh, translated correct has several different layers of understanding. The first means that a parent must take the responsibility to chasten or to punish a child. Let's just, let's just make it clear. If we're going to raise great kids, we can't let them do whatever they want to do. Grandparents, I know we love to spoil them, but we can't just let them do whatever they want to do. In fact, it's, it's interesting because my wife and I had the wonderful opportunity. Kay and I had our granddaughters for two weeks because our son and daughter-in-law were in uh, Scotland. They went on a great once-in-a-lifetime trip, and we had the grandgirls, which was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, six and four. And I was reminded very quickly that I had to correct. I had to discipline. In fact, there's another meaning. It also means to punish with a loving embrace. I got lots of great hugs and kisses from my granddaughters. But what we have to understand is, it's a combination. It, it's a combo approach. Sometimes it's a verbal correction. Sometimes it is a timeout. There are moments where it is a true punishment and a chastening of poor behavior. But what we can't lose sight of is the word discipline, meaning to correct, brings about a new direction. That's why it must be done with love. And don't miss the promise. I want to read the verse again in the message. Discipline your children You'll be glad you did. <laughs> They'll turn out, isn't this cool, delightful to live with. Do you want kids that are delightful to live with? Discipline starts with our own discipline and our walk with God. In fact, the less we discipline ourselves, the more out of control our children will be. But when we correct, God begins to bless. In fact, let me dig in here and give you what I call are the three T's of parenting. Can I do that? If we're going to discipline in a way that brings about delightful children, I want to walk you through some scripture and give you the three T's of parenting. Here's the first. Our talk requires integrity. I have scripture with all of this to help us understand that we're still in God's word and gaining wisdom from what God wants us to 
do as parents. Titus, New Testament, chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. The very first T in parenting is this. Our children need to know, without any shadow of a doubt, that we are parents of character and integrity. I didn't say perfection. Anybody glad? I didn't say you got to be a perfect parent. But we do have to have integrity. For instance, integrity says when we blow it and our children know it, we ask for forgiveness. Please don't just apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Don't just say you're sorry. Say, will you forgive me? That's integrity and character. Because you're teaching your children, they're not perfect, but there is a way to reestablish our relationship with each other. And when you and I start small, when they're, when they're young, with character and integrity, they'll model that when they need it the most as young adults. Think about it. Many children are devastated because their parents don't keep their promises. Don't promise your child something you're not going to follow through. And sometimes you'll have to explain that. Sometimes you'll have to say to your children, I want to promise you, but I can't because I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know how it's going to work out. Your children in the end would rather hear the truth, even if it's disappointing, than to be disappointed because we broke our promise. Let me give you the second T. Our time is invaluable. 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5. This is a passage of scripture I remind myself of because an older Paul, the apostle, is instructing a young Timothy. And this scripture applies specifically to leaders in the church, but listen to how Paul writes. An elder, a deacon, a leader must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Our children need to know that we are available to them. Just as we need to be able to manage in our jobs, in our commitments, in the life of our church, we need to bring leadership. First, that leadership needs to be demonstrated in our homes. And I, I really want to make this uh, so specific and clear. Although we all attend functions, and, and when I say functions... I'm talking about sporting events, music events, school events, church events. But please hear me on this. There is a huge difference between being present at an event and having a consistent presence in the lives of our children, our grandchildren, and those that we care for. That's why it's crucial to realize that our talk requires integrity. That's number one. 
But this second one is, our time is invaluable. Your time is invaluable to your children. But don't just be in the room. Be present. Kay and I were at a restaurant a year or so ago, and we were eating, and we saw a, a dad, I don't know if he was a single dad, or just had his children that morning without mom, but he had two children at the table. And they were young. And they were trying to get his attention. But you know what I'm going to say? He was on his phone. He was, he was present, but there was no presence of that dad. Our talk requires integrity. Let's be people of character, keeping our promises. But let's understand that our time is, is invaluable. It's crucial which leads to this third piece. Our touch is irreplaceable. Listen to Luke 4.40 about Jesus. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Now, obviously, we're talking about Jesus, the Messiah. But I really believe that God has created us as human beings and especially as parents to touch our children in three specific ways. Let me show you this. This is the, the third T of, of parenting. Our touch is irreplaceable in three specific ways. Here's number one. The mental touch. Say, I love you. Proverbs 25.11 from the Amplified Version like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken at the right time. We're talking about speaking to our children in a way that encourages them, inspires them, and loves them constantly. And this is just so important. Everybody hear this. Tell your children, your grandchildren, and the children that you care for constantly, I love you. Don't let a day go by that your children don't hear that because so many kids never do. Don't hesitate to be a leader in a child's life that says, I love you. And that's hard for people that didn't hear it growing up. My mom told me all the time. It's what made me the loving person that I am. And one of the greatest joys of being a parent and a grandparent is to say, I love you. And one of the things I love about my granddaughters is that they love to tell me they love me. And it never gets old. Come on, parents, grandparents, caregivers, moms, dads, surrogates, step in and say the mental touch ingrained on their minds that they are loved. The physical touch. Matthew 19, 13 through 15, one of the great stories about Jesus. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he, is, when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Our kids need to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we love them, we care for them, and we are willing, listen to this, 
to give them a physical touch that shows I need you. Don't just say I love you. Show them that you need them. You're going you're gonna to raise some kids and grandkids that love hugs. You're going to have some kids when they're teenagers that they are not going to enjoy a hug. In fact, I said this to my kids growing up. I said, you'll never be too old for a hug or for a kiss. Now, I, I raised two girls and a boy. My, my son, I told him, I said, I won't embarrass you, but I will still at the appropriate time hug you and kiss you on the cheek. Why? Because I did it when he was small. I don't want my, my son to, real, to think that I don't love him because not only do I tell him, but I want to show him that I need him. I want to show my daughters that I need them. And I'm blessed with uh, kids that have come in through marriage. I literally say that I have six children. And you know what? I hug them. I tell them I love them. I don't want them to ever miss the mental touch the physical touch, and here's the most important of all, the spiritual touch. Now, I think Virginia Satir bridges a beautiful gap here in this moment. Years ago, she wrote, we need four hugs a day for survival, we need eight hugs a day for maintenance, we need 12 hugs a day for growth. Now, there's the uh, mental touch, you're saying I love you. The physical touch, show I need you. And the spiritual touch, now listen, I'm going to bridge this gap. Sing, God loves you. We have to be united together. How many hugs are you getting a day? How, how many times are you just in a maintenance mode? Or is God helping you grow in your walk with him? through hugs and, and words of inspiration, uh, actions, verbal and nonverbal, of encouragement. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, Paul writes of a young Timothy's upbringing. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I, here it is, here's this bridge, when I laid hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Can I take a little bit of liberty? Do you mind? Just a little. As Paul laid hands on Timothy, there was the spiritual touch but it was coming through a physical touch. And literally, as parents and caregivers, no one can take your place in sharing God. You gotta share God verbally, talk. You gotta share God verbally, time. Church and ministry and the Bible need to be top priorities. But then we have to spiritually touch and let our children know that we love them, but God loves them even more. Now you're like, Pastor, why did you write sing? I mean, I think you're seeing the progression. Say I love you, show I need you, sing God loves you. Why would I say sing? It's a beautiful memory I have of my mom. When I was young, my mom used to rock me, and I can remember a couple of those moments 
where she sang songs to me. Songs like, tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story so precious, sweetest that ever was heard. You know why I know that old hymn? My mom sang it to me. But you know, there's a song that I hope you know as a child, but if you're being introduced to it for the first time this morning, it's a beautiful song to sing with your children because it's not just for them, it's for us as well. Do you know the song, Jesus Loves Me? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, oh yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. How do we raise awesome kids in an awful world? Starts right now. Starts right here, right now. Parents must be intentionally consistent and parents must discipline daringly. Our talk, our time, our touch. That's what matters. It's not too late. You can start right now wherever you are with the children that God is placing in your care, whether it's for five minutes, five hours, or a lifetime, right now. Let's not think about what wasn't right in our lives. Let's talk about what is and can be pleasing to God starting today. Okay, here's what I want you to do. We're going to close, and this is what I would love for you to do. I want you, if you have your children near you, just hold them tight. If you don't have your children or your grandchildren or the kids that you're caring for close to you, uh, I want you to picture them in your minds. And I want you to think of their names. And as we pray, this morning I want us to pray for our families and our kids. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so very, very much for this time together. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done. And God, I pray this simple prayer. Bless our children. And bless our children, no matter their age, with parents that are willing to love them in a way that they can see Jesus hear Jesus, know Jesus, sing about Jesus. God, we're asking for your help. And Jesus, help us. Forgive us where we need forgiveness, but empower us to be the kind of parents that you can bless. And we ask this so that we can raise some awesome kids that will be world changers. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Wow, I love you. Go begin to love your kids. It just starts with, and I love you. Hug them. Tell them you care. If they're older, call them. 
It might freak them out a little bit, but call them and say, just wanted you to know, I love you and I'm proud of you. Let's be the kind of biblical parents and caregivers that God is ready to bless. And until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.